Welcome to Series 5 of the Bible and Me podcast from Precept Ministries UK. The series that uses incredible life stories to give God the glory. Before we dive into this week's episode, if you haven't done so already, be sure to click that subscribe button so that you don't miss out on any of the amazing testimonies in the future. And now, without further ado, here's the podcast. I am really thrilled to be welcoming uh, Quentin Abrams to the program today. Uh, Quentin grew up in what was Rhodesia, which then became Zimbabwe. Uh, He was at school there in the mid-70s to the mid-80s. After leaving school, he worked for a family business in engineering and cattle farming until one day, which he cites as the greatest challenge in his whole life, uh, he and his wife were threatened by those seeking to take over the land and farms in the country. Uh, farmers had been assassinated and his life was threatened too, as was his wife's Renee. Uh, after literally some miraculous events, Quintin and Renee and their son arrived in the UK where he has been since the year 2000. Uh, shortly after he arrived, he found work with a commercial company working in the area of mergers and acquisitions. And... Um, Quintin, as I say, is married to Renee. They have a son who's about to be 21, Nathaniel, who is having a wonderful time swanning around the Far East. (laughs) Um, And Quintin is an avid reader. Uh, He's a fair-weather cyclist, and he enjoys taking tours to Israel, a man after my own heart. But he hates DIY, also a man after my own heart. (laughs) So, Quintin, welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, really lovely to have you with us. Um, so, Quentin, you grew up in Africa. That's right, yeah. Uh, and I've been in the UK now for, for a little while. Um, how did you become a Christian? Well, growing up in Africa, it was almost a, a kind of by default because it was a, uh, a Christian nation. Um, my mum was a Christian, um, an avid believer, and um, she was constantly sharing the gospel with us and uh, I think I was about six years old and she was sitting under one of those old-fashioned hair dryers <laughs> when I went to her and I just said mum I really want Jesus to come and live in my heart oh and, wow yeah so she what? led me to the Lord really age six yeah six years old oh that, what a wonderful thing to happen age yeah. six and, and since then, you, you've just been a follower. And well, to... I'd like to say it's been, um, uh, you know, a constant follower, but it's, 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 uh, it's been, it's consisted of um, following, falling, following, falling. And I think, I think that's pretty much everybody's story. But, yeah. uh, you know, I think when I was 13, um, it became more of a reality. Mm-hmm. And as I've grown older, mm. it it becomes more of a reality each each step of the way. Yes, 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 yes. So, yeah. so grew up in a Christian household, yeah. a family of faith, yeah. and uh, took a decision age six, and then been on a journey ever since. Isn't that, That's right. Isn't that fantastic? Yeah. Now, for those who may not be aware, give us an idea of what was going on in the country that you grew up. Um, the climate that eventually led you to leave. The country. So, so what was it like, sort of growing up and, yeah. and yeah. Well, I think um, growing up, um, like you've said, back in the day was was called Rhodesia, and at the time there was a, a massive liberation struggle going on, um, and of course the environment itself was a fearful environment, um, particularly because there was a lot of 
terror activity that was going on primarily in the rural areas, but it did affect the towns. And of course, we always had to be on guard and, you know, alert to everything. Even traveling to holiday was done by convoy. Um, so it was it was a fearful environment. And then obviously, when that kind of played out and um, that struggle kind of uh, played out to, you know, the country became Zimbabwe. Mm. Um, we did immigrate for 18 months, but we landed up coming back, which is where we landed up settling in in Bulawayo, um, sort of the early uh, 90s. And, uh, well, so early 80s, actually. It was mid-80 mid when we returned. Great, great years of prosperity, mm. of life just happening and growing under that, in, uh, you know, new regime, so to speak. Um, and then, of course, um, it it kind of went wrong it in early childhood. It? it did. It yeah. Now, now you were off to celebrate your fourth wedding anniversary. Yes. In April two thousand. Yeah. Um, what happened? So yeah, it was an anniversary celebration. We went to a farm which was being converted into a like a holiday farm. Uh, still very much out in the rural areas, just to give that sort of, uh, you know, that, that, that flavor and that feel. And um, whilst we were there, um, the war veterans, now these are those that were of the firm opinion that the land belonged to them, and um, they came to take it by force. And the owner of the farm uh, was summoned, and we were in effect taken hostage. There were about six of us on the farm at that time. We were taken hostage um, for the weekend. Um, the owner of the farm um, basically gave us weapons to protect ourselves, should it turn out that way. Did you know how to use them? I, I did. I don't think anybody who grew up in Zimbabwe um, didn't know how to use a weapon. Okay. It was mandatory. Okay. <laughs> but um, yes, I, although I will hasten to add, it was an elephant gun I was handed, so I, I couldn't quite understand why that was. But nonetheless... Um, Gosh. It, uh, it, it was a very, very fearful weekend. And um, my wife and I, we, we prayed probably quite a lot that weekend, um, just not knowing how, what the outcome of this was going to be. Um, and, and you were confined on the farm? We were confined on the farm. We were not allowed to leave. We could hear the, the chanting, which I, I think is... Uh, is a tactic, a scare tactic of the of the war veterans at the time, and that chanting is the most fearful, fearful thing anybody could wish to hear, um, because it does invoke a lot of fear. Hmm. Um, so yeah, so that was that was our anniversary weekend. Goodness me. Yeah. And and so how how did you get out of that situation? So you're there for the weekend. I mean, yeah. what what? How did you how did you get to leave? Yeah. So the. The owner of the farm managed to negotiate our release, which probably cost him quite heavily. Um, I, I, to this day, don't know quite uh, what that in, entailed, but we were given a window of opportunity to leave. Hmm. Um, fortunately, we were packed up and ready to go anyway. Yeah. And uh, so we literally just threw everything in the car and we skidded out of there. Really? Yeah. And, and how did that affect your attitude to wanting to stay and continue to live in the country right. and, and where did that lead? Well so yeah we came away thinking 
you know, we needed to make some decisions. Um, not only that, we had a two-year-old son at the time, who at that time was with my parents. Um, and the decision we made was based on his future. We really wanted to um, be somewhere where he would have the opportunity to not grow up in the environment that my wife and I had grown up. We were, we were kind of done with that. Yeah. So, um, so uh, we made a decision that very weekend. We made a decision. We we've got to leave. Really, leave yeah. the country. We've got to leave the and country. That is a massive decision. If you've been there for a long time, your possessions are there. You're yes. living there. I mean, that is huge yes. to actually make a decision to leave, isn't it? Yes, it and, is. And where did you want to go to initially? Well, there were two places. That, uh, my wife said, well, we need to move to South Africa. I said, no, if we move, we leave the continent. <laughs> <laughs> um, my brother had moved about a year or two prior to that to New Zealand. Okay. And um, so he encouraged us to come out to New Zealand if we possibly could. Yeah. And so we made up our mind that that's, you know, our minds that that's what we were going to do. Hmm. Um, so we, I resigned my job. Uh, this is how fear works. It makes you do things without thoroughly thinking them through. But nonetheless, we, I quit my job. We, we drove to the capital, uh, to the New Zealand High Commission, to start the application process, which within the space of a half an hour became very clear that this was not going to happen. Um, what? Although your brother had been? Yeah, well, that means nothing. Um, uh, you know, he was new. He was set up in his um, business at the time. Um, but to get into New Zealand, you have to have a... a they operate on a point system. You've got to, you know, have a wanted skill, which okay. I didn't. My brother did, fortunately, for him. Okay. Yes. So that was the difference. Correct. And, of course... Despite what was going on in the country, um, even pleading political asylum, uh, asylum or, or yeah. whatever, you know, we were desperate enough to do that. They just said, um, no, it wasn't desperate enough, or I can't even remember the phrase we heard. And that, that put paid to that. So now not only did I not have a job, we didn't really have, country to go have to. an idea of where we were going to oh, go to. So, 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 so what happened then? Well, so... This is where we became very conscious of the presence of the Lord. Um, both my wife and I were so at peace walking out from that high commission. It was almost like this was the right thing to have happened to us right now. And we, we drove a little way out because my brother-in-law lived in a farming community um, uh, not too far away. So we went to visit and I was praying and asking the Lord just you know, for direction. And I really just sensed that I needed to phone the British High Commission. So I picked up the phone on the spot, phoned them and just said, look, what is the qualification to get in? Um, my grandfather had been born in Britain and I, I mentioned that. And they said, well, I could apply for an ancestral visa. Hmm. Um, and so that so began a glimmer of hope. But that hope... Um, you know, it was a glimmer of hope, but it, it did get dashed pretty quickly because you needed certain documentation, you needed originals. We didn't have originals, only photocopies. 
photocopies Photo weren't of what? Original so, of what? So my grandfather's birth certificate, obviously, to prove that he was born in Britain. Okay, so you need to get an original copy of his Absolutely. birth certificate. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Which we didn't have. You didn't have. Yes. Oh. But the Lord wasn't finished. <laughs> so driving back, I remember I had had a friend that had moved to Basingstoke. And um, I managed to make contact with her family because we had lost communication. I made contact with her family. And by the time, you know, a good couple of days had passed, I was in touch with and her. And here, that, that's, that's how that happened was quite... That in itself was a miracle. Zimbabwe at that time had been hit by a cyclone. My friend's family were living on a farm, which was communicate. You could communicate through a party line if you were lucky. Through what? A party line. That's a shared line that most of the community would use. Okay. So, for example, um, you know, if I phoned my friend's farm and they had their their signal was two short rings and two long rings, they knew that someone was trying to call them. <laughs> that's how it worked. But the cyclone had hit pretty similar to the cyclone that's actually hit um, that region again this year, unfortunately, and it took down most of the communications. So that made communicating even harder so you needed to contact a specific absolutely person yeah to contact this person in the uk yes. and the lines were down yeah. and the cyclone just gone through and you're thinking yeah. oh my goodness me yeah how's this going to happen yeah so i just i i just said lord this you've got to make this happen and i literally just picked up the phone i didn't even put it next to my ear i just dialed the digits after i finished dialing i put my head next to the phone and it was ringing and my uh, friend's sister-in-law answered the phone remembered me we had a very brief conversation and um, managed to get the contact details of my friend that was living here in Basingstoke and that and that put paid to that 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 was a miracle in itself hmm. um, and so I was on the phone to to my friend in Basingstoke. And why did you need to contact your friend in Basingstoke? What were they able to do for you? Well, I needed to reach out to somebody in the UK uh, because despite um, establishing that we could possibly come here, we needed somewhere to land. Yeah. Um, and secondly, I needed help in getting my grandfather's birth certificate. Okay. And so it so happens that my... Uh, you know, my friend had remarried and she had remarried a man who was friends of one of the MPs that lived in the area where my grandfather had been born. Oh. Now, I'm not quite sure why that was significant, but um, it just, it made things happen so quickly in the sense that within 10 days of making that phone call, mm. I had a copy of a, what's called a duplicate original copy yep, yep. of my grandfather's certificate DHL to my front door in Zimbabwe. Done. <laughs> Seriously. That's right. God, so did, God didn't want you going to New Zealand, did it, he? It appears not. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. So that then led to you being able to come to the UK. Yes. Wow. So, so all this um, started in April 2000. Yes. And all these events... All these moving parts, everything came together, and I arrived in the UK on the 18th of October 2000. Really? Just a uh, few, just months, a few later. months later. Is that right? Yeah. So leaving, I mean, like you left everything back in? 
Yes, so I, I flew on ahead. Um, my wife and son stayed behind to take care of the winding up of our affairs. Yeah. Obviously, I needed to come ahead, look for work, find somewhere to live, basically start our lives. Oh, goodness me. Yeah. Goodness me. What was going through your mind as you flew out from Zimbabwe? I think there was a there was anticipation, you know, as a as a young married man with a young family. Um, I was very, very nervous, but I was very aware that God was in this. But even the awareness of that didn't really stop me from feeling that anticipation, that that sense of the unknown. Yeah. Um, so there was there was a mixture of emotions mm. going through me. Mm. Now, when you arrived in the UK. Um, as we said, you had to sell all your possessions. Uh, I believe you, you'd seen strangers drive away family heirlooms and furniture that had been in the family for generations. Uh, and when you got to the UK, uh, you, you had a time of extreme depression yeah. and your faith was sorely tested. Yeah. What are your reflections on that time? Well, I must, I must just add that having seen strangers take, you know, as we sell up the possessions, they, they take them away. Um, it was my poor wife that had to continue to see that. So the knowledge of that played on my mind because it, um, it's very difficult when you're not there to support your loved one. Yeah. But you're, you're right. I, I did get very, very depressed for several reasons. Firstly, um, the trauma of it all started to come home whilst I was here in the UK. Secondly, um, the weather. I arrived in um, October. October. <laughs> Going um, into winter. <laughs> exactly. And thirdly, I was consistently making a fool of myself in the sense that it was the time of fireworks. And growing up in Zimbabwe, we were not allowed to have fireworks. And any bang wasn't a firework, it was something else. So I was constantly jumpy, constantly diving for cover. And it just, it just played on my mind. Um, and then uh, trying to find work here. When you arrive in a foreign country, you're almost persona non grata. You've got to prove yourself. Yeah. And uh, so I, I yeah. It, 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 it added to, uh, to that mm. sense of heaviness. Yeah, goodness me. Now, so how did you get your job? Because you've been working now for a company for the last sort of 17 years now, haven't you? Yes, exactly. Um, so yeah. how did you get the job? And tell mm. us a little bit about the work. Sure. Um, I'd been doing one or two jobs just to get us by. And um, it was by word of mouth then I got this job. I'd heard about this company. I'd heard that the company was owned by Christian directors. And I knew that I would really like to be part of that. And uh, a position came up, I applied for it. And I got it. It was, um, uh, it, it was a, a, a role that I didn't see myself doing long term. But I wanted to at least have a go at a company um, you know, where I could grow in. So um, what what the business does is they are in um, mergers and acquisitions. Um, they um, help um, company owners who are looking to retire or anybody who wants to sell their business. 
and basically take them through a process in selling that business. So it mm. comes under the remit of corporate finance. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. And you've been with the company now for... 17 now. years. I, I started off by basically doing um, calling, which is like a like a telesales job where you're phoning people to get them interested in a business for sale. Mm. And um, I've grown up into a senior project manager where I actually, um, you know, uh, take charge of company disposals, project manage it, um, and uh, just see it right through to completion, really. Wow. And I understand that on a Monday morning, every Monday morning, you meet um, with other staff members to pray. Yes. Is that right? Yes. So um, during the 17 years, I've been blessed and privileged to form a great friendship with the shareholders of the business. And um, they very, very much uh, believe that the business is not theirs. It belongs to the Lord. And they feel that um, there is a need for us to pray for the business. And so they've, they asked um, a couple of us as believers alongside them to join them on a Monday. And we pray. We pray for the business. We pray for the success of the business. We pray for the staff that they would, that somehow this business would be a conduit for them to meet the Lord and, and um, you know, just like an ark, basically. Fantastic. Yeah. What, a, what a way to start a Monday morning, eh? Absolutely. I mean, seriously, yes. after the weekend, oh, first thing on Monday, oh, we're going to be We're, we're going to be, be praying, praying. Isn't absolutely. That wonderful, isn't yeah. that fantastic? It really is. Now, um, there was a time whilst you were in the UK when a deep desire uh, to study the Word of God began to uh, return to your heart. Um how did you find the appetite for God's word in the UK compared with Zimbabwe? Um, yeah, so I had I had been to Bible school um, in in Zimbabwe, um, and I I had a, a love for the Word of the Lord, uh, for the Word of God and and the Bible. And when I came to the UK, it became apparent that what it felt to me like that appetite wasn't shared amongst, uh, you know, in, in, uh, in the UK. And I couldn't understand that. Mm. I couldn't understand why, why that was. Um, so the comparison, to answer your question, was quite stark. Mm. Where there was a hunger in Zimbabwe for the word, there wasn't so much a hunger here in the UK for the word. And that, that created quite a frustration for me. Mm. Yeah. And um, there, what did you do about that? Because <laughs> there was a fateful day when, when something the, happened and, and, absolutely. and by God's grace, yes. sort of we respond. Anyway, I'll let you yeah, tell the story. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> it, I can clearly remember, it was a few years ago, um, it was a Monday. I had been to a, a service which was um, quite frustrating in a sense. And I, um, I'm grateful for that feeling because it, it shook me to action. It's like, I, I, I've got to have... The Word of God, I've got to be studying the Word of God. So I went to, um, you know, to Google, as everybody does when they don't know what to do, apparently. And no, I we just... Don't, we don't turn to the Lord. We, no, no. <laughs> we turn to Google first, Google as if that's first, the most important the Lord, thing. Yeah. Um, Wrong answer if you're hearing this. To this. <laughs> but God is behind Google somehow in this case, and... Um, as I typed in, I can't even remember what I typed in, where can I find a Bible study? I think it was quite simple. Um, Precept Ministries came up to the top of the search. Wow. 
And um, at the time, it was a fairly um, bland website, as I, if I remember. And I just put my details and it was just asking me for my details and that somebody would get back to me. Yeah. I, I, I put my details, hit submit, and that was that. Okay, Fif now I'm going to come in here. Okay. Because, because um, what happened was, so into the office came this email and uh, I think it was Sharon in, in, in our office says, oh, um, you know, recognizing because of your guy and da da da. Uh, Sharon came came to me and said, hey, "Nigel, we've just had this um, just had this contact from a guy called Quintin, and he's he's asking about the uh, about the ministry and da 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 da." And I I can be quite impulsive and uh, like to get things done and sorted. So so I just took your contact details and uh, gave you a call, which must have been probably about ten minutes after you sent the email. Correct. <laughs> yes. <laughs> It was. So thank you for being impulsive that day. <laughs> yeah, so um, obviously, as you know, we, we chatted things through. Um, I'd had a vague knowledge of precept through my cousin in South Africa, who was a avid precept student mm. um, and had tried to, to talk to me about it, but it kind of went over my head. But this <laughs> on this occasion, um, what you were saying was meeting the need at the time. It was like, yes, this is what I need. And um, so I, I will treasure this memory for the rest of my life um, where um, you met with me on Junction 7 of the M3 in your lovely camper van, a hot summer's day, doors wide open, cup of tea in hand. Cars racing by. <laughs> and the preset books out. And it was at that moment I realized this is what I've been looking for. Mm. This is searching God's word for truth for yourself. Now, I did mention I'd been to Bible school previously. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. But that, that was different in the sense that um, I was listening to other people's studies. They were telling me what they had found, and I was taking that as gospel and making notes from their notes and all that. Yeah. This was teaching me to mine the truth for myself mm. and so that began the studies and of course you know um my journey with precept mm. is still ongoing mm. absolutely yeah. i mean how how have the studies helped you in your journey of, of faith and, and what is it about the method of study that's really helpful to you um yeah so um the the, the studies themselves um really force you to slow down. Um, because I, I'm a quick thinker, I, I tend to, to rush through things. I'm a speed reader as well, out of necessity at work. This forced me to slow down, to observe, to mark key words, to identify what those key words are. And do you know, by doing that, I was actually starting to hear God through his word. And I will I, I think I've quoted this to you before that the the secrets of God are never revealed to those who are in a rush. And precept has taught me that um, because I've slowed down and I've heard God speak to me clearly through the word um, using this uh, inductive that, method. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah. I think uh we all struggle to slow down. Yes. Uh, but one of the things that we talk about is, as you say, marking the text, because you yeah. cannot 
if, if I was to ask you, if I was to take you to a Bible passage, and those of you that are listening, you know, if you just imagine this for a second, uh, I was to take you to a Bible passage and just say, read it, then you could read it in, you know, however long it would take you to read it. But then if I said to you, okay, I want you to read this text again, but I want you to mark all the references to Joseph. Immediately, you're going to have to slow down because you're going to have to think, is this word Joseph or is it not Joseph? And you can't speed read it, just as you said. And so the whole, the whole business of just marking, asking questions of the text, who's this about, and then marking slows you down. And as you slow down, actually, you're giving God time yeah. to talk to you and speak to you. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Now, you've attended a number of training events uh, with Renee, which has been a blessing to have you, uh, including the Precept Bible School more recently. Uh, and you enjoy now leading others yes. in Bible studies. Why do you enjoy that? Because some people say, you know, I can never lead a Bible study. I'm happy to do this myself, but to be a leader, I could never do that. So, so why do you enjoy leading others in this? I enjoy it because it's always a delight to watch people get their own truth from the Word of God. I haven't told them. Um, and in fact, the, the, the great thing about leading a Bible study is I'm actually not telling anybody anything. All I'm doing is facilitating what they've already discovered for themselves and giving them opportunity to air that. Mm. And, and, and also, it's, it's, it's a true test of somebody's hunger for the Word. Um, we can say we're hungry for the Word, and we can listen to a podcast about the Word. We can listen to a good preach. All of those things are good. However, I would say that when you seek diligently the Word of God for yourself, you will hear the voice of God for yourself and you will learn truth for yourself. And that's why I enjoy um, uh, you know, leading the studies. How do you do that practically yourself? Because you, 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 you work full time, you, know, you, you, you commute to work, your dad, your husband, um, you, know, you, you, you live a busy life. I mean, how do you... How do you do that? How do you fit that into your day? Well, uh, my day begins with um, quality time um, before the Lord. So if I'm going to be leading a study, I'm going to incorporate that study into my own time and take the time out to, to be studying the same study that I'm leading. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and so um, it's... It is a question of working alongside the group as well yep. in my time. So I'm also coming to the group with um, some stuff that I've discovered for myself. Yes, yes. So um, you, so you, you get up earlier in the morning? Yes, I do. Start? Yeah, my, my get-up time is 5.30 every morning. Did you hear that, everybody? <laughs> 5.30 in the morning. Thank the you, boarding the school. <laughs> the birds aren't even up at that time. <laughs> Seriously, 5.30 in the morning? 5.30 in the morning. What time do you have to go to bed to get up at 5.30 in the morning? Uh, I normally go to sleep at 10. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, 10. I, I try and live a disciplined life uh, okay. because these, my morning time um, with the Lord uh, is, is very important. It sets my, sets my entire day. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. So 5.30, the alarm goes... It does. And you get out of bed at that time. Absolutely. And you, what, you come down here. Make my coffee first. That, that's the essential part um, of the puzzle. And then um, I'm blessed enough to have a study. Okay. And um, that's where I spend um, a good hour. Do you really? Yeah. Yeah. 
good on you. Yeah. No, it's you, you alone time. It's my time with, with the, the Lord. Lord. With yeah. the Lord. And you say that sets you up for the day. It does. How absolutely. does it set you up for the day? You know, when you come into the presence of the Lord and you make God your priority, and I'm not being formulaic about the morning being the only time that you can meet with the Lord. No, for me, the morning time is the important time. Um, it's, it's a time for me to um, be connected to the presence of God, to um, read and listen to him through his word and to offer my prayers, um, you know, and, and listen to, to, to his voice. Mm. Um, how does that set you up for the day? Well, you can't be in the presence of God and it not make a difference in your life. Um, and don't forget that um, as believers, we are presence carriers. Yeah. So when we are connected to the presence of God, we are carrying that presence mm. to our workplaces, to our schools. The Spirit of God dwells within us. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, um, I would encourage anybody listening to this who maybe is struggling to have you used a word there, which I think is very interesting. You use the word disciplined. Yep. I seek to have a disciplined life. And I think that's a, that's a really important word that you use there. Because we can all become lax and slack and, you know, turn the telly on. And, Absolutely. Oh, it was a great program. You know, right now as we're speaking, there's a, there's a program about the SAS on, you know, <laughs> on, uh, on the box on a Sunday evening. And Patrick, my son, said, Dad, we need to come sit down. This is, And I, I'm watching it because I don't watch a lot of television, but I am. But it's choices that we make, isn't it? So you're making a choice to go to, to, go to bed at reason. Ah, yeah. And you set your alarm. And, and actually, it takes a time to establish habits, new habits, doesn't it? Yes. Uh, I think somebody says about six weeks. So if you're going to establish a new habit, then you need to do it for six weeks before it comes something that you normally regularly do. Mm. Um, but I bet you miss it when you don't do it. If you if you do go away on holiday or whatever, and, and you, you miss it. I just speak to my wife. I become quite cantankerous <laughs> if I haven't. Yeah, quite often if I've you know, on the odd occasion where I do miss and I get a bit um, crotchety, my wife says, "Go to your study and spend time with the Lord." <laughs> so she knows where to send me. Yeah. And do you sense that the Lord gives you? Um, help and wisdom in the work that you do because of course you know we, we're in the workplace we're, yep. we're, we're, we're we are called to to you know you're working with this company do you sense the lord helping you in your work absolutely um and i could sit here all day and regale you with specific instances where the wisdom of god has played a huge part in in my day today today um can you uh, recall any specific instance? Um, yeah, I mean, um, where you're dealing with clients and um, are day in and day out in situations that are can be pretty um, tense. Um, you know, it's an emotive um, experience for a, 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 a seller of a business. Yeah. And I remember um, uh, praying one morning, particularly at the height of one particular deal that was going on, just saying to the Lord, you know, I need your wisdom and I need your presence in the situation and um, I need to understand what's really going on. And when I um, managed to speak to my client, I was able to articulate for him what he was feeling and he couldn't express it. And it gave him the confidence 
that as an individual, an employee, a business, that we actually know what they're feeling, what they're going through. And so we're able to move things forward that Brilliant. way. Isn't, yeah. that, isn't that fantastic? Yeah. So it's living out yes. that, that faith, that yes. trust, yes. and being able to turn to the Lord at any time and say, Lord, I need your help in this situation. Absolutely. Um, I mean, it's not only, you know, when I leave my study and my quiet time with the Lord, He doesn't stay in my study. Yeah. He's with us wherever we go. And we, we are able to just turn our hearts to the Lord in a moment yeah. and be in His presence. Yeah. You've reminded me of um, the story in Nehemiah, in Nehemiah chapter 2. Of course, Nehemiah, you know, well-known story. There he is in uh, Susa, the capital. He's the cupbearer to the king. Correct. He hears about the dreadful state in, back in Jerusalem mm-hmm. of his brothers and the city. The walls are down. And uh, four months later, he's in, the, he's in the presence of the king. And uh, the king says, why do you look so sad? And uh, he prays. He sort of does a quick arrow prayer. Uh, and the king says, well, you know, what do you want? What do you want? And, and you just sense that really close connection between Nehemiah and the Lord. And this is the time, this is the moment when after four months of praying about mm. what he's going to do and, you know, he's got it all worked out. But he had to have the confidence to be able to articulate it before the king. Correct. Uh, through prayer. He says, yes. Lord, I need your help in this situation right now, yeah. you know. And, of course, the door opened for him to go back and rebuild the walls. Tremendous, tremendous story there. Um, do you have a favorite Bible book or character at all? Abraham is my character. Well, your surname is Abraham. Well, it is. I'd like to say that I can prove I'm directly related to him, but I don't need to because I am directly related to him. But um, if you so remember what? when we met, yeah. um, and the first study we did was on Abraham. It was. And I've done that same study, I think, several times now. And the more I study this character, Mm. the more I recognize the incredible faith that he had where God said, go to a place that I will show you. So he was going to a place that God will show you, not had shown him, will show him. And it it was his faith in God's word. It was his willingness to obey and um, to leave all that he had, and and his adventure in 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 faith. He's he's a he's a faith hero, and um, it's just a, a very encouraging character. Yeah, he is because of course you left Correct. your country. I yes. mean, you knew where you knew the country you were going to go to. But you hadn't got a clue what was going to happen when you got there. <laughs> yeah, I knew eventually. I thought I was going to yeah, New Zealand. Yeah. <laughs> So I can totally get that. Yeah. I can totally get that. And you know, it's interesting, isn't it, how, how the Lord brought you here and you stepped out fearful, yeah. anxious, what's going to happen. And um, yeah, looking back, how the Lord has led you and kept you. But you've been faithful to him too, you know. And, uh, and so I think that's, that's a great, great... What about a favourite Bible verse? So my favourite Bible verse is... Um, Funnily enough, um, prior to everything um, going wrong in Zimbabwe, was is um, Psalm 37, um, uh, right through from verse 1 to verse 5. Go for it, read it. So yeah, it says, Fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. 
Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act. That's mm. my favorite verse. Because? Well, you know, fret not yourself because of evildoers. We were surrounded by them. And, um, you know, uh, that's, that isn't a suggestion, it's a command. Mm. Fret not yourself. Trust in the Lord. That's, again, um, you know, it's, it's something that we've been asked to do because God is trustworthy and we can trust him and just live in the land and do good mm. and just follow the Lord and obey him. So yeah, it, it really does speak to me. Yeah. Psalm 37, verses 1 to 5. 1 to 5, Fantastic. yeah. Now, you have had a very eventful life to date. You've been through some extremely tough times um, in lots of different ways. Uh, your life has been threatened. You've had to leave your country, start afresh. Um, for someone who may be going through a tough time themselves, how would you encourage them? Oh. You know, um, when we go through a tough time, um, I find sometimes we can start to shut down emotionally and um, we can allow our emotions to, to crowd in. My encouragement, oh, my encouragement is to press into the Lord. You know, we spoke about spending quality time with the Lord and um, anybody going through a, a tough time or challenges, um, just, you know, go before the Lord and press in to him. Um, you know, just being in his presence, just absorbing from him, from his word, and allowing him to, to minister to you. You know, there's great encouragement in that. And again, um, I think also one of the greatest encouragements uh, to me has been... Um, to, to start a study and begin to dig into God's Word. And it is amazing how God's Word just encourages you and gives you that energy and that strength to get through those difficult times. And you can behold and see the goodness of the Lord in that situation, in His time. Hmm. So that's my encouragement. That's your encouragement. And if you, if you want some advice about what study to do, then give us a call uh, at Preset Ministries. We love people. We love talking to people. And uh, we would be thrilled to hear about your story, your journey, uh, your, where you are, and maybe recommend a particular study to do. So, Quentin, I want to thank you so much for being willing to come on the podcast and to share your story and uh, just continue to pray blessing on you and Renee, your Thank family, you. uh, the work that you're doing and uh, that God will continue to use you uh, mightily in the days ahead. So thank you so much. My pleasure. You've been listening to the Bible and Me podcast from Precept Ministries UK. By leaving a rating or review, you can help us to reach a wider audience with the good news of God's grace and plans for his people. But otherwise, until next time, we hope you have a blessed week from all of us here at PMUK.